Made for love. You were made for love. God made you for relationship. We talked about that last week. But this week, I want to talk about the healthy practices of relationship. And specifically, the healthy practices of relationship between husband and wife. And I, and I want you to think about what kind, of, what kind of marriage do you want? You might be single and you might, need to, you might need to think about this. Because maybe the reason God hasn't brought that, that special someone into your life is because you're not ready. You know, I was counseling a young man one day, and he said, man, pastor, I want a great girl. I want a great girl. And he had this list. This girl was terrific. I mean, you know, out of sight kind of list. And I'm not talking about looks. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about deep thought into, into what kind of woman he wanted. And then I finally had to break it to him. I said, son, I don't know how to put this, but Man, this is, this is Wonder Woman right here. What do you think Wonder Woman's looking for? Scooby-Doo? I mean, I said, you know, Wonder Woman's looking for Superman. So if you want Wonder Woman, you got to start working on becoming Superman. Because this is the way it works. When a great woman finds a knucklehead, she's like, that ain't what I'm looking for. He said, Pastor, are you calling me a knucklehead? No, don't take it personal. I said, what I'm saying is you got to raise your game. Yeah. Amen. So maybe you're here today and God's saying, I want you to raise your game. I want you to get ready because I'm about to do something in your life and you're going to hit the ground running. You're not going to take years and years to figure it out. You're, you're going to be ready to go. Some of us need some healing because of some things that we went through maybe in a past marriage. And we're here as divorcees saying, will there be love again? And I'm here to tell you, God has a hope and a future for you. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of the prophet. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's what you should stand on. But I definitely want to talk to our couples who are here, and many times we don't think critically enough about the kind of marriage we should want. As a matter of fact, we wait till we're on the rocks, till we're in trouble, till the dark night falls, till, till things get really gloomy, then we start panicking. Why is it that human beings wait till their pants are on fire to figure out they need help? You know, the house is burning around them, but they don't worry. They think somehow it's going to just magically get turned off. It's not till their pants are on fire, they come running in the church saying, hey, I need some counseling. And then we sit down and they say something like this inevitably. Pastor, I'm willing to try, but I don't want to go back to that. And both of them say the same thing. The man and the woman say, I'm willing to try. As long as it doesn't represent that, as long as, and I say, absolutely, who in the right mind would want that? But can I tell you something, guys? Why do we have to wait to that point? That's what this message is about. Let's get ahead of it. Let's be preemptive instead of reactive. Because what we're called to do is to look and make the course correction early versus miles on down the road. You know, if you're headed to California, 
You want to know quickly if you've taken a turn and now headed, pointing in the direction of Florida. No, I'm not kidding you. We were supposed to be going to Dallas, my brother and I, and we were driving and he got to talking and telling a story. And I kept saying, I, Eric, Isaac, Isaac, are you, you know, and he said, man, I'm, I'm telling the story, man, it's good. And he kept telling, he kept telling. He, two hours into it, we see, welcome to Louisiana. Some of us are hearing welcome to divorce. When you could have turned along the way. And so what I'm here to tell you is time to make the course correction is now. To get serious, to look deep, to, to say, what is it, God, that you would have us do? We've been talking about a godly vision. See, a godly vision is important because when you get a picture in your mind's eye together of what is possible, then you can run after it. You can get passionate about it. You can move towards it. It will compel you. A good vision will pull you will push you, will call to you. And that's what you want for your marriage. You want a good, godly vision. Because what you want to do is leave a legacy. Let me ask you this. What's a legacy? A legacy is something of value that you leave for another generation. Something of value. See, what you leave has to be valuable enough that your kids want to pick it up. Because you might think it's valuable, but they think it's junk. It'll end up in the flea market. No, some people say, I'm leaving an heirloom. I'm leaving a legacy. I'm leaving this and that. And the kids don't find value in it. Come on. Many kids today are not finding value in the American dream the way we painted it. They see it as a rat race. Why do you think they're downsizing and doing tiny homes and doing all of these things and traveling and not uh, 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 enslaving themselves to a corporation or this or that? Why? Because they saw what that produced and they don't want no part of it. So sometimes what we think is valuable and we're, we're leaving to our kids, our kids are saying, no thanks. But can I tell you something? Wisdom is proved right by her children's children, the Bible says. And so when you leave something of true value, of immeasurable worth, a godly heritage, your kids will pick it up and it will affect your grandkids. Because God's blessing will go to the third and fourth generation. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for my life. I want to see my children's children's children blessed because I believed and I built something quality. And so Pastor Melissa and I, that's what we look for. And we, we look and we say, Lord... What is it that we can leave for our kids? Give us a godly vision worth fighting for. That godly vision that will keep us from wandering and straying away and that will, will ignite a passion in us. See, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that when you get that godly vision and you start working towards it, you will develop or you will encounter what's called synergy. What is synergy? Synergy is, the, is that special thing that takes place when perfect teamwork, and, and in a sports analogy, you would hear it as that momentum. That momentum that takes place when chemistry happens. What's chemistry? Well, man, these guys just work good together. This team just worked good together. You know, uh, what is the, uh, the, the beach volleyball champions, uh, women's champions? Uh, Carrie Walsh and... Misty May trainer, they just have chemistry. They work good together and they can do more. Let me put it to you this way. Now, I'm not using real numbers. If you look it up, you can find the real numbers. I'm giving you a for instance. 
Belgian plow horses, let's say they can plow and pull by themselves 10,000 pounds. So each of them, 10,000 pounds. You yoke them together, that means you marry them, and you have them pull in unison. When they experience what's called synergy, they won't pull twice. They won't pull what they could do individually added together, which would be 20, right? They'll end up doing 40 or 50. They'll double, if not exceed doubling, what they could do individually. Why? It's the same thing that takes place in a marriage when a husband and wife start to complete each other, start to fill in the gaps, and they hold hands, and they run towards their goal. And can I share something else with you? Winning makes everything better. Some of us here today have been losing, and it's because you're pulling against each other. You're fighting against each other. And more importantly, some of us are fighting against God. And so if you can start pulling together under God's blessing, you can experience what's called synergy and winning. And can I tell you something else? Winning makes everything better. Come on, when you're winning, everything feels good. When you're losing, you notice every little ache and pain. When you're winning, you don't care about the aches and pains. You can have blood dripping down your cheek. You can have, you can have a, a scrape and a pulled muscle and whatever, but man, I'm winning. Come on, devil, come on and get me. Come on and do whatever you want. I'm winning. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by winning? I mean excelling and getting those little mile markers that show you you're progressing in the right direction. Let me put it to you this way. Even Dave Ramsey understands the, 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 the psychology beside, behind teaching a couple to win. If a couple is struggling in their finances and they come together and they get a godly vision for what it's like to be debt free, something that compels them and motivates them, immediately what he has them do is develop a, a debt snowball. What is the debt snowball? It's an opportunity for you to win quick. How? You list all your bills, all your debt from, high, from the greatest to the least, and then which one do you attack? Attack the smallest one, he says. Come on, how many of you know who Dave Ramsey is? Dave Ramsey is, is, is all over the world these days. His radio station is bigger. I mean, his radio program is bigger than Sean Hannity's. If you don't know who he is, you got you to turn on to Dave Ramsey because he'll get you a vision for living a Christian life free from debt and, and excelling in your finances. And listen, this is what happens to these couples. They knock down that first little debt, Keith, and all of a sudden they look at each other and go, whoa! Man, it feels good. Those endorphins and those emotional releases and they start getting excited, but more importantly, they start believing that more winning can take place. And then they get the next one, the next one. And this is what happens. Compounding takes place. Compounding is one win stacked on top of another, stacked on top of another. And it's not just, it's not just winning in finances, but now you're winning in communication. Now you're winning in conflict resolution. Now you're winning in all the other facets and area of your marriage and it's hard to stop. It's hard to stop. So you might be here saying, okay, pastor, how do I win? Teach me. Tell me. What do we need to do? Okay. You need to understand there's a triangle of destruction that most of us fall into because it comes easy to us, and that's the way we are. And many of us say, well, that's just who I am. Come on. How many times have you ever heard that in a marriage? Well, this is who I am. You knew who I was before you married me. 
your reaction was priceless. People start looking at each other like, did he hear us argue this week? God heard it. Amen. But that's just who I am. And this is who I am. Listen, we all fall into this naturally. Selfishness. Fear. I'm I'm, I'm putting the, the labels on the points of the triangle. Selfishness. Fear. And guess what's the last one? Pride. That will sink a marriage faster than anything around. It's the triangle of destruction. Selfishness. Me, me, me. Some of us don't even realize we're being selfish because we're so darn selfish. Can, Can I say that? We're so selfish, we don't even know we're being selfish. When somebody brings that up, you go, oh, I didn't realize I was being selfish. You know, that, that, that was me. When I first started in our relationship, I, I took Melissa out on one, one day when it was her birthday. And then at the end of the day, she just freaked out on me. Freaked out on me. And you know, you know any guy I've been there, you do everything right, and then they still freak out. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? But that was me being so selfish, I didn't even know I was being selfish, Brother Renee. This is what I did. I said, hey, baby, we're going to go out tonight, and uh, it's your birthday. I want to make it special. So I always make suggestions on how I want her to look. So I said, man, dress like this, dress like that. How do you want me to dress? So she tells me, and so we look good and all. But I never told her she looked good. I said, how do I look? How do I look? And she's like, you look good. You look good. How do you look? Oh, you look, you look fine. Like always. You're awesome. You're good. So let's go. We go and I pick the restaurant. Then after the restaurant, I said, man, I got a movie in store for us. I picked a movie. Action. Somebody dies in the first 30 seconds. You know what I mean? That's a guy movie. When somebody dies in the first 30 seconds, you're in a good movie. I tell her sometimes in some of her movies, I'm like, somebody better die quick. Something's got to get blown up. There's got to be some conflict. There's got to be a hero emerge. She's like, it's not one of those kind of movies. Then why are we here? You know, but listen, so we go to her movie. We go to my movie. I didn't realize that. I thought it was her movie, but it's my movie. And then I come home and I have dessert waiting. Beautiful homemade German chocolate cake. Finally, she blew a gasket. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I hate German chocolate cake. And I said, when did this happen? For all the years we were dating and the years that we've been married, we always do German chocolate cake. Yes, because it's your favorite. And I thought, it was your favorite. You always bake it. You always have it. You always, yes, because I'm trying to please you. Can I tell you something? Guys, it might seem like I'm getting on you when I preach on relationships, but the reason it seems that way is because we have the responsibility of being Jesus in the relationship. And a wise pastor once told me, look at your relationship. Who is serving who? Who's the one doing for the other? The one who forgives first, the one who loves on the other, the one who's doing the back rubbing, the one who's washing this and doing that and picking up and serving, just general overall serving. Who's the servant in the home? Oh, that's my wife. Well, then she's Jesus. (laughs) 
David. <laughs> David's reacting too loud here. <laughs> He's like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. See, but that's the thing. Some of us think that to be the man is to be the head, to be this, that Jesus said, if you want to be the head, you must learn how to be a servant first. If you want to lead, learn how to serve. If you want to be first, learn how to be last. He said, I have come to show you that that you might not do it the way the world does it. The world lords over people. The, Lord, the, world, the world uses ambition and power and, and, and manipulation and all of those things. I've come to show you a better way. And that's what we're called to do. So men, yes, be the leader of the home, but first get on your knees and wash some feet. <laughs> Man, this pastor was good until then. <laughs> right then, I'm, Martha, we better leave. This ain't a church for us. Of course it's not, because it hurts to be Jesus. It, it is. And that's why that selfishness comes easy. But watch the triangle of blessing is selflessness. When you are selfless up at the top, that means you put God in first place. Listen to what else. Instead of fear, faith. Faith, which promotes love. And then over in this corner, humility, walking in real humility, saying, how can I be there for you? How can we put the other person's needs in front of ours? How can we experience this blessing? See, in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 24, you have the two laws of marriage. Read with me these laws of marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You're talking about unity here. You're talking about a co-mingling of souls. Someone said to me, Pastor, divorce is the worst thing I've ever been through. As a matter of fact, it's so bad I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. To see my kids that way. You know why it's so bad? Because you rip your souls apart. Listen to what the Bible says. They shall become one. One. Listen to the way the King James Version puts it. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother, and they shall cleave to his wife. He shall cleave to his wife. So leave and cleave. Those are the two laws right there. Leave means you've got to forsake everything else you once considered most important, and you make each other most important. The only way marriage works is if you make each other top priority. You go, but what, what isn't God supposed to be top priority? Yes, God is your, the point of your triangle. It's God, you, and your spouse. That's, that's it right there. In the Jewish wedding, there's a hoopah. The hoopah is the prayer shawl that they stretch over from, from four corners over the couple. And only the couple is under that prayer shawl. That prayer shawl represents God's covering and God's blessing, God's protection, and God's overall arching authority over that couple. So that needs to be the absolute priority. If your work is ahead of, of that, then you're going to have trouble. If your kids are ahead of that, you're going to have trouble. If your education, your popularity, whatever it is, your marriage has to be top. Number, number two law, the leave is the first, the cleave is the second. What does it mean to cleave? In the Hebrew, the word literally means to pursue passionately. Okay, so you make your spouse your top priority. Now you work at it each and every day with passion, vigor, and gusto. 
You work at it. Can I tell you something? Marriage is not about your soulmate or your, you know, your luck or, or you know what? It just, it just happened. We fell in love at first sight. None of that is true marriage. True marriage is work. And I say this to our couples all the time. I say marriage is, is, is summed up this way. It works if you work it. And someone said, Pastor, that's AA. I said, I don't know what it is. It's good teaching. It's good teaching. That's what I tell you. It works if you work it. Isn't that what we teach our children? It works if you work it. If you put in the work, you're going to get the results. And so if you put in good godly advice and you happen to do those practices, you're going to have a healthy marriage. It's when you don't do it and you go, I wonder why it didn't work. You didn't do it. Come on now. See, some of us have made, are made to believe that love just hits you. It just kind of just, man, I just fell in love. No, I may have fallen in love, but I made some choices along the way. You want to know what my choices were? I chose to talk to Pastor Melissa late at night, run up her father, my father-in-law's phone bill. I chose to, to you, you remember those nights where you made her the priority and you're like, hey, baby, let's hang up. It's late now. It's two in the morning. I got a test tomorrow. I was in college. She goes, okay, let's hang up. You first. (laughs) You remember that? No, no, you first. Let's do it together. One, two, three. You didn't hang up. You didn't either. And you do that for about 10 minutes. Finally, father-in-law runs in and goes, hang up the phone. You know what I mean? But... But, but what I'm trying to tell you is you had to work at it. Can I tell you? This is no difference. I want you to work at it. So some of you are going, okay, pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to work. I got this. What do you want me to do? Well, there's four practices, habits, because how many of you know your practices is what determine your habits and your habits will determine your destiny? It will determine the course of your life. And so the first one is pray together and trust God. Learn to pray together. You say, Pastor, that's so, that's so like elementary. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Sometimes the most elementary fundamental points are the ones that bring the most blessing, but because they're taken for granted most often, because you've heard it over and over and over, they're the ones that we miss and it's right in front of us. Right in front of us. Let me put it to you this way. My son loves basketball. And uh, he, he's starting to get into it. All the guys around here love basketball. They're constantly playing. And so I asked him the other day, I said, son, what do you think it takes to be a great basketball player? Rick, you know what he told me? No, he didn't say practice. He said, to be able to dunk the basketball, just dunk it nasty, just like, like, like Alfred dunked on Josh the other day. Just, I'm messing with you, man. Everybody go, ooh, trying to... God, y'all going to get me in trouble with Josh here. But anyway, dunking the basketball, how many of you know that's not true? So I asked him this. I said, do you know a guy by the name of Larry Bird? He goes, oh, yeah, that guy? Because now the, the young school, the old, you know, they're young. They think that guy was old, you know. Eh. I said, do you know Larry Bird's one of the greatest players to ever play the game? And yet I don't ever recall him really dunking the basketball. You can be an awesome player and never dunk. You know what you need? You need the fundamentals. 
He went just like that. Why? Because the fundamentals aren't sexy. Can I tell you? The fundamentals I'll talk to you about today may not be sexy, but they can give you a great marriage. They can make you a hall of famer when it comes to marriage. Pray together. Listen to what the Bible says. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, it shall be done for you by your Father in heaven. Do you know there is a synergy and a power in you agreeing when you get that godly vision, you get that vision, that picture of what God wants, and then you pray for it? God says yes, and he starts working it out for you. But what if things are happening? What the enemy means for evil, God will use for good. And he will teach you, chill out, relax, have faith. I've got this under control. I work all things, Romans 8, 28. Write this down, somebody. I work all things for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. And if you agree and pray on that... He begins to move you. You know what else he does? He unites your hearts because when you learn to pray for each other, and this is something Pastor Melissa and I had to learn. It doesn't happen naturally, and if you haven't done it, you're going to feel very awkward. It's going to be like wearing your underwear backwards. You're going to be like, I've never prayed with this woman. Out loud? Out loud. But this is what it does. It breaks up all the junk that the enemy is trying to build up to drive you apart. What is the stuff that that the enemy uses to drive you apart? Aggravations, resentment, what else? Frustrations, all of these things. Do you realize that Jesus says when a brother offends you, when you when you get your heart hurt against someone, the first thing you need to do is pray and bless them. Pray and bless him, and you're going to feel like the Fonz. Anyone ever seen the Fonz from Happy Days when he tries to admit he's wrong? He's like, that's how you're going to be. You're going to be like, oh, Lord, Lord, bless him, God. Just bless him. You're going to do one of those bless him that means like, get him, God. But, But what happens is all the junk is being broken up. And the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is going to blow that junk out of there, and you're going to be able to love with a tender heart. And so when you start praying for one another, it immediately gives you the opportunity to break up junk and not let it settle and grab a hold of you in order for the enemy to get his hooks in to pull you apart. It's going to keep you tender towards one another. And when you pray, I mean, think about this. You're holding hands and you're saying something like this. Oh, Lord, bless my husband. Make him to prosper, God. Lord, I thank you because he's a man of character and he's a man of strength. And I love the way that he loves me, Lord. And I thank you because he is a patient, kind, gentle, awesome, strong. I mean, just keep piling it on. And the more you pile it on, the more he's going to be like, You know, a good woman praying for her husband will make him something awesome. But the same thing happens when you're a man praying for your wife because at the end of the day, what prayer allows us to do is communicate the blessing of the Lord. And there's different ways that you can communicate the blessing of the Lord. There's three particular ways, with your look, with your touch, and with your words. And the prayer allows you to have the heart in order to be able to communicate that. Because if something's going on wrong in your heart, your touch is going to communicate it. It's going to be a touch of frustration. Anyone ever touch in frustration? 
You know what I'm talking about? One of these, like, you got to breathe deep, like, I'm going to put my hands on you. How about a look of disdain? How about a look of I love you, ooh, girl? And she's like, you better stop. And I'm like, no, you better stop. Looking all good and stuff, girl. You know, it don't take much. Come on, am I talking to somebody here? What I'm telling you is you've got to learn how to communicate a blessing. Use your words and do it in prayer. Pray something beautiful for your wife. What if, what if she wasn't with you? That pain me a Birmingham, man, it changed my life because I started thinking, what if I was begging God to bring her back even in a painting? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy her while I have her and appreciate her. Come on, speak blessings over your home. You can do it in prayer. But you know what else prayer helps you do? It helps you get rid of those negative frustrations and and getting upset, and it helps you calm you down, and it clears the fog of war. Because number two is resolve your conflict and negative feelings immediately. That's hard to do when you're Latin. Because I'm just going to tell you the truth. As a Hispanic man, I I get hot quick. What I mean by that, and I'm not talking the other way, come on. I'm talking about I get upset, quick. I, but, but look, it, this I come right honestly. I can come into worship, and I see some of you guys, and I'm wondering, why does it take y'all so long to enter into worship? Some of you are like this, you're like, uh-huh. And then finally, like by the end of the first, I mean, like Raquel's about to wind it up, then you go, oh, it's over, okay. No, I come into worship, I'm like, Boom, first sentence, first sentence, first word. I'm like, I'm excited. But that's how I argue too. I can be calm sitting on the couch, listen to something. You know how, you know how them women do. You know, you, I'm just kidding. I'll take it. My girls are like, you can feel the support, can't you, baby? You can feel the support. But, but no, but, but she'll say something. Because that's, that's life. That little bit of conflict, the enemy's right there to stir the pot, and she'll say something, and then, then I'm saying down and say, look, I'm just sitting down, I'm tired. You know, yeah, I'll give you a real-life example, and please don't take it wrong. I'm just going to be myself. I'm not trying to impress you with sophistication or this or that. I'm just trying to tell you who I am, okay? And so <laughs> she said, we're going to have paint our house. And she said, I'm going to, uh, I said, maybe we should hire somebody to paint it because there's a lot. And then we got a quote and she says, oh no, we ain't going to spend that money like that. You're going to paint it (laughs) so that we can go on vacation. I said, you know, baby, I'll do that. I'll do that. I love going on vacation with my family. Absolutely. I'll do it. So I started painting and then she's like, well, you got to do this, and you didn't do that, and you got paint here, and, and there's still this missing, and there's that. And then finally I said, I jumped off that couch. She goes, you're not, you done already? I said, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's midnight. I've been working all day. I've been painting. I've been cooking. I've been washing the dishes because I, I do the cooking. Can I tell you? I'm the Jesus in the home. I'm just saying. But this Jesus ain't perfect. So she's, she's messing with me, Tony, and I jump off the couch and I said, listen, girl, you're going to have to find yourself another Mexican because I'm tired. 
And she said, excuse me? No, come on, how many of you know that in that, in that moment, the enemy has dropped the fog of war and you don't see clearly? And you're like, man, I'm gonna pull out the, the, the flamethrower, I'm gonna burn the whole house down right now. You ever been there? I pulled that out, I said, you know what? You're just like your mama and your grandma, and I started naming. <laughs> My brother said, you got a tape in somebody's house or what's going on? I mean, look, Solomon said it best. People are people are people. And there's nothing new under the sun. We argue about the same things. Amen. Can I tell you, I'm just like you. But I've learned to put some practice in the play. And sometimes she's done it better. Hey, baby, we should pray. What? You want to pray now? I'm about to just burn this thing down. And immediately the fog starts to disappear. It's not easy, but you kind of put the flamethrower away and you're like, so I put my hands in my pocket immediately because she's going to be like, babe, let's pray. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so you're holding hands like with a pinky like this and you're still like, girl, I'm mad. I was about to let it go. (laughs) And, And some of us, it's like when you get upset with the cable company and you're mad, and boy, you're, you're itching for a fight. You're like, I've had it up to here, I'm gonna fight. And then you get on the phone, and they're real good with you, and they, fin- they fix it like in one second, and then you're still mad. That's what she was trying to do to me. And I'm like, I'm still mad, but she's trying to pray and trying to fix this thing. So she says, go ahead, baby, you wanna pray? I said, no, you, you go on ahead, I'm good. <laughs> you know why? Because that prayer is gonna break that stuff up. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, some of you going, are you finally going to get to the Bible? (laughs) In your anger, do not sin. Notice what he said. He didn't say, don't be angry, angry. And some of you are going, oh, I never react like that. I just, I just would never. (laughs) You know, you're one of those sarcastic ones, aren't you? You may not get mad, but you get smart, Alec. And you dig and you make little jokes, or maybe you're passive aggressive. You're like, no, I'm not mad, but you burn his eggs. (laughs) Or maybe you shut down and you don't talk for a week. But listen what the Bible says. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. The way you get the devil out is you pray and you get it resolved and you do it quickly. You do it quickly. Now this is what I'm telling you here, guys. Don't let the sun go down and don't sleep because look at, look at me. You get good at what you practice. If you practice being angry, you get good at it and one day turns into two days, three days and it starts multiplying. If you, get, if you practice sleeping in other bedrooms, then, then you get good at it and before long that's not that's, that's easy for you. You can go to another house and be okay with it. It's supposed to be hard to sleep away from your spouse. It's supposed to be difficult. And so someone once told me this and we decided, I decided I'm gonna implement this. I can, re- I can remember that first day we were there and we got angry and Melissa goes, you go sleep. I said, uh-uh, the devil is a liar. I'm sleeping right here, this is my house. This is my bed. 
So I slept and she goes, well, you stay on your side. And she puts the, 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 the covers like. And you stay on your side and I stay on my side. So I was on this side because it's where I sleep and I go. You know what I'm telling you? And I touch her and she goes. <clears throat> and I touch her again. And she goes, <clears throat> Now I'm having fun. So I, I had to do the splits. I mean, I'm like, I touch her and she goes, <clears throat> boom. She goes, stop it. You know what you're doing. I said, baby, I'm sorry. Can I tell you, when you have a commitment with the Lord that you will resolve your anger, the, the later it gets, the more you want to sleep, the more humble you get. Because you're tired. You're like, man, I just, it's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> and when both of you say it's my fault, then you can hug each other and love each other. And, and you get good at that if you practice it. Can I tell you, you get good at what you practice? Number, number man, we're going we're gonna to miss this thing. Man, I forgot to talk to you about concern versus critique. You've got to be able to talk to each other about your concerns. When you, con when you talk to each other about your concerns, you use words that are not, not personal in terms of you say, this is how I received it. Is that how you meant it? You ask and you leave room for explanation. If you, if you critique, I mean, if you... Um, if you critique or criticize someone, then it sounds something like this. Well, you always, you never, that's the way your mama is. That's the way your family is. That's how you do it. You know what? I'm so sick of you. That's critiquing. <laughs> that's criticizing. Good couples will learn how to deal with concerns and they talk about it. So this is how I'm, you made me feel. Is that the way you meant it, love? No, absolutely not. And you can talk it out. Have fun together. Companionship is so, so important to a healthy marriage. As a matter of fact, if you were to take a man's top needs, two of the top five needs are found in this point number three. A top, the top needs of a man in a relationship are companionship with his wife. He wants to have a friend. He doesn't need a mother. And many of us get in that position, ladies, can I talk to you for a second, where you try to mother your husband. What I mean by that, you're not trying to cuddle him and, and, and all that. No, you try to always tell him what to do. <laughs> I love it. No, no, listen. Some of your biggest fights, if you think about it, have been, I don't need a mama. I have a mama. I need someone who will believe in me and walk with me, walk with me. Guys love to have companionship. That's their, you know, you wanna save your marriage, go hunting with him. You wanna save your marriage, go golfing with him. You wanna save, some of you are going, oh no, what are you doing, pastor? Pastor, stop talking. You're gonna get my wife at the, in the, deer, at the deer lease with me? No, no, go work out with him. Go on walks with him. Be a companion to him. The next thing is sex. Sex and companionship, having fun together is what separates you from a mere business relationship. A business relationship has no fun and no sex. A marriage has those two. It makes it different. So stay with me on this. Watch this. Solomon puts it this way. So I commend the enjoyment of life. 
So I commend having fun. Because there's nothing better than to have fun because there's a lot of hard work God has given you to do. So have fun. Have fun. Someone said, well, pastor, how do I do that? You've got to recharge before you can become compassion, you, before compassion fatigue sets in. That means you can be a really nice person, but if you're tired, you won't feel nice. You'll be worn out. You have nothing left to give. If you're empty, you can't pour out into anybody. And so this is something that they've told me as a pastor because they said, listen, when you were in the business world, it was different. It wasn't personal. It wasn't it didn't hit you as deep in your soul as it does now when you're pastoring. It's more important for you and your spouse to get away to have fun. And so we have a regular date night. When is my date night? Thursday night is my date night. That's my Friday night because I'm off on Friday. That's my day off. And so Thursday night I go out with my wife and I have a date night and we, and we have to be creative. That means me. I've got to be creative. I've got to figure out what we're going to do. I've got to plan it. I've got I to prepare. I've got to let her know I'm taking you out tonight. It's not just an afterthought. I'm taking you out tonight. Dress up pretty. I'd love to see you in this. Or you know what? You surprised me. You know what else we do? Once a quarter, I want to get away with my family. Someone said, well, pastor, why are you always got to be going on vacation and getting away? I said, because of you. I said, because of me? I said, because I love you. I love you, and I want to be at my best. Amen? And if I'm empty, and I got nothing to pour out, then how am I going to love you? Come on, how many of us have ever gotten compassion fatigued when we're like, man, I love to counsel with them, but I'm just tired. I'd love to spend time with them, but I'm just tired. I don't want to. So pastors, and you do too, you've got to get charged up. Get away. Get to San Antonio. Take a weekend. Take a night. Spend, get the kids out the house. Leave them with grandma and grandpa. That's what they're for. <laughs> Develop great relationships. Father-in-law, you know I love you. You know I love you. Develop great relationships. This is where we'll finish. We talked about this last week about having good relationships, so I won't belabor it, but one thing I do want to say is the Bible says very, very clearly, don't be fooled, don't be deceived. I have two different versions up there. Don't be fooled, don't be deceived. Evil company, bad company, corrupts good character or corrupts good habits. That means the practices you're trying to put into place to bless your marriage, if you're hanging around non-Christians that don't have the same values you have, they're going to influence your life. And you might be tempted to say, no, pastor, I have great friends. Even though they're not Christians, they won't influence me. God is saying, don't be a fool. The worst thing you could call someone in the scriptures is a fool. Don't lie to yourself. You know how many people I've counseled where the girl started, the, the, the woman or, the, or the, the wife started going out to happy hour and it was just for fun. Next thing you know, they were having fun with others. Men going out to happy hour, going out week, uh, a weekend with the boys or going out doing this, going out doing that with people that weren't Christians. Can I tell you, it's more important than ever. The book of Hebrews says, do not forsake coming together. Come together with Christians. Why? Even as you see the day approaching, 
the closer we get to Jesus' return, the more challenging this society is going to become. Look at the shows. Look at what this society values. It values promiscuity. It values a lack of commitment. It values all of these things. And the world out there is not promoting godly values that will bless your home. So why would you ever go snuggle up to those values and expect it to bless you? So you have to guard yourself. And the best way you guard yourself is to love each other so much that you don't, come on, baby. (laughs) That you don't want to be a part. You don't want to be investing. But this is the thing. Don't go invest with a bad couple. Go invest with a good couple. My mama used to tell tell me this. It's hard to soar with eagles when you're running with turkeys. So if you want a blessed marriage, find someone with a blessed marriage and fly with them. You find someone with a bad marriage, you go run with them, guess what's gonna happen to your marriage? You're gonna go down the toilet too. Listen, I love you. Instead, this is what I want you guys to do. Ladies, come on Monday nights. Men, come on Tuesday nights. Get filled up with God's word. And then you come back home to each other and go, man, I'm on fire, baby. Let's go make it happen. I love you. Have a great, great week. Love you.